Hypertalks. 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 All right. Um, hi, and welcome to Hypertalks. Um, my name is Christopher Blimley. I'm your host today. With me, I've got Emma Olson as a co-host. And uh, tagging along as our interview is uh, Mia Komodin. Also, you're working with both Agile UX, user experience and coaching, consulting mm-hmm. at uh, Crisp AB. Is that understood? Yes. Nice to be here. Nice Thank to you. have you here. Yeah. And so something we do here at uh, HyperDocs and our teams is we check in. Usually we check in with different things, but I thought we'd check in kind of with um, our mood today, how we're feeling. So how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm feeling great, despite the grey November weather. Yeah. yeah, I've had a great week, actually, in between um, jobs, you could say. <laughs> so I'm just meeting people, hanging out, and then doing fun stuff. So, yeah, great day to be here, too. Nice. Yeah, I also feel happy and energized today, despite the weather. I had a really hard time getting out of bed. I rolled out of bed. But I've just had such a great day working with my team, so I'm feeling great. Wonderful. That's what you should have a team for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So UX is such a huge, I mean, like, there's so many different terms in it. Um, and we just recently had with our class, we, you were um, part of the our, so our industry leader who has helped creating a, this module for us around UX. And um, well, what, how did you get into UX? Like, like, we just, like, you, for me, it was that you were the first like real UX person to actually work with um, and it just seems very I don't know there's a lot to to grasp and uh, it is definitely uh, well it's gonna be a really long story I feel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the four or five minutes won't cover it uh, well I think that like two different types of UX people because UX haven't been around that long but it's been a long long enough for people to have been able to study it and I'm one of those that's too old for that, so <laughs> uh, I haven't been studying it like you do. Uh, so I'm, I'm actually from a design background. And um, well, when I was, like I referred to earlier here, when I sat down, uh, I, I started to, to, I wanted to be a photographer in the beginning. So I studied photography in, in the US a uh, long time ago when I was like 18, I think. Uh, and then I, I stopped because I thought it was just old men working as photographers and I didn't want to go into that. <laughs> so I just changed my mind and started working with digital when I came back. So I went to school similar like yours here uh, to learn uh, digital design it was then. Uh, and I, before that I also studied graphic design, illustrations and uh, all types of... Uh, what do you call it, uh, journalism, uh, communication, and stuff like that in, in high school. So I was in the first media program when it started in Tumba Gymnasium. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's a long time ago. Uh, so I had lots of different stuff in my backpack already. Okay. Uh, so I skipped photography and started working with digital design, and that was like web design. And, and I worked with people that wanted to study um, program management, or what do you call it, uh, product management, uh, or product leadership, actually. And what and is the difference between 3D. Those? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> a, a long, totally yeah. different story, but yeah, yeah com- confusing. But right then, it was only a product project management that was the thing that you could do. So, we were like this uh, uh, cross 
functional team in this school that work together on, on different things. And, and just after one year, I started working as a digital designer as a, um, a company called uh, Net Solutions. That was a year after that I brought up from Fab. So maybe, I don't know if you've heard of it, that's also a long time ago, yeah. but people that's been in, in the industry a long time know about them. Uh, and, and at that time there was only graphic designers um, that worked with like Photoshop and stuff like that. And, uh, and people that you did user research, like really, really heavy stuff in, in laboratories, mm -hmm. studying people uh, using the products that we developed. But you never really talked to them. They had like white yeah, lab coats, coats no and stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Special people yeah. and really expensive to have in your product. So you never, usually you never had them in your product. So you just designed yeah. what you thought customers wanted? Yeah, exactly. That's what we did. And, and I was really, I remember one time I was really angry. My product manager came to me and asked if I could just uh, create a new skirt for a bank. Like a big bank, and there was like a new project. They just need a new skirt, so that <laughs> means a new look, look yeah. and feel on the website. Uh -huh. yeah. It's like I refused. Yeah. It's like, what are they looking for? Why do they need a new <laughs> website? Because the, it, there's no insight. So already mm -hmm. then, that was like in '98, I think. Uh, I was like totally opposite to all the other people that work with designs. Like, no, I don't, I'm not going to do it because mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know who's going to use it. But usually no one asks these questions then. Mm -hmm. So it's been like my mindset all, all along. So all along I've been always trying to learn more about how to define what people who are using the stuff that I'm creating and uh, why, what problems do they have and meet them and uh, after a while I started creating personas and stuff like that and flows and, and interaction design and wireframes working in a totally different way that other people did them and also I worked in, in, in the teams always with the developers okay. a lot of companies had design departments but I always took my stuff and, and sat together with the developers instead so that's why I have this agile background too so Back in those days, like in the nights, like early uh, websites and such, mm -hmm. um, uh, I understand you don't, there's not as much talk about that back in those days, but how do you think has it changed throughout now? Do you, how, what an impact looking at these different, uh, both users and how important they are? Do you keep on learning new things around them or, or do you see similar personas? Is it, I would assume that's like an ever changing kind of thing. Do you, do you wipe your slate clean for each new project or new? kind of people because the way you're doing user research um you're looking at the needs of people yeah um and also you always look at the need of the company the business the, company, yeah. the business uh, do you ever bring in from other experiences or is it like do you come in with the you no, empty course, your teacup and no, you fill course, it again or do you no of course you always remember what you know before so yeah. it could be easy to just you know take the same ones that you had before mm -hmm. But that would probably lead you in the wrong way. Yeah. So that's why you want to have a clean slate and you want to only look at like these are the goals that we have and go out and meet people that are using the product and ask them who they are and what they do and, and watch them use it so that you learn because you always have to learn again. Otherwise, you have this uh, ideas of what the solutions would be because you have an idea that's wrong about the users. And do you think that you could do you ever apply that kind of thing into your own life? Do you think like this? Gotta wipe its slate. I know. This oh, dinner well, tonight. Or I don't know. Tonight. That's a big question. Yeah, maybe. 
Uh, maybe I do. I don't know. I've changed my mind several times about what I want to do and how I want to do it and yeah. with who. So maybe. Okay. But it's it's difficult, I would say, because you always have, you do you learn stuff. So you have a lot of stuff in your backpack, mm. and you make decisions from that. Mm. But always, it's it's good, of course, to think about: is this where I want to be? Is this where I want to go? Mm. Is this leading me in the right direction? So I think it's really important to have goals that, you know, where I want to be and who I want to be and mm. what I want to do. So that type of goals I usually set up and then I somehow I end up near nearby yeah. usually, but yeah. Because today a lot of people talk about designing, um, about designing your own life and designing mm. at work. I mean, they're, they're, they're starting to become the same thing or how you're how you're looking at your life that's why I was like trying to dig around that um, but also something that we're seeing is uh, that the user experience or this, the way of using UX is transforming business today it seems more and more that people are um, applying this technique how do you think uh, how, how do you think it's necessary should we use it or um, where do you the see it going the way UX is changing business is probably that the business starts to understand that they need to to listen to the users because of course they can put in immense a lot of money into ideas and, and try to market it and see make people buy it but th that never leads all the way and it costs so much money so just by learning by the, the lean startup culture mm -hmm. that you can you can change your product, you can look at what people really need and try to meet that need, uh, that will give you a market advantage. So I think that's what's changing, that they, they start to, to get other small companies coming to, to take parts of their market because they do much better products. So they have to to change their way of working. Is it a lot of? Is it still in the stage where you have to convince people that UX is better, or better than or just doing what the you think thing. yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Because usually yeah. it's it's maybe it's the lot. the big boss uh, has this idea and then he says like do this. Yeah. This is what I want, and of course those kind of companies still exist. Mm -hmm. because they haven't died yet. Maybe yeah. they will if they <laughs> continue doing that, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to change the culture of really big and old companies. And, and you need to have really another way of structuring your business and your company and your organization, which really takes a lot of time. It, it hurts. And, and you're going to have to take away a lot of big bosses on the way and, you know, make it flat and, and have ideas coming from where, wherever they come from, yeah. not from, from the big boss's head. It's going to be hard fighting those egos. Yeah, that, that's, that is a fight that we <laughs> constantly fight, actually. Yeah. And, and it is difficult, but you have to. That's why if you work um, with data, so that's really one of the good things that if you have data, if you have that control of data, like, mm. like you should have, then you have a really big fire gun. So it's really difficult to say, no, I'm not going to do this because you can show if you do like this instead of that, you will make this much more money. So it's a business decision which way you want to go. Do you want to make the product like this that people want to use or do you want to continue to do it like this? So if you have that, you have the firepower thing. So control yeah. the data. Yes, because that's what I feel like I learned in the end of that module is that um, UX kind of trumps business development where you sit in your own chamber thinking you're making cool things versus going out and asking people what they really need 
to get an advantage. Yeah, yeah it felt very comfortable while, while we were presenting to our clients um, and my team. It was just felt so nice having that data in the background. Yeah. I can relate to this. Um, this is what people want. Yeah. Um, yeah, data-driven development, even though it's 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 qualitative data that yeah. you get from user research, but also you can get the quantitative data. Mm. Also, if you can match those two, then you have the really big power. Mm. That's one of the most difficult things that most companies are struggling with to get uh, qualitative and quantitative data go together and, and uh, make assumptions from that. So if, if you can help that and work with that, I think you can really make a change. And it just helps so much with, when you're talking about quality data, getting those quotes, like th those are like, just in pitching wise, they, it just really sells in. Yeah. Because you're getting like actual, you can tell them this is what people are actually saying. Yeah, quotes from people that yeah. you have met and talked to and, and yeah, listened to. Exactly, that's really pow powerful stuff. So you've been around the UX scene here in Stockholm for a while. Um, do you see any trends or anything changing around this? Well, the trend that I see, I don't know if it's because what I do, um, but um, a lot of companies start to waken up that they need to, to work data-driven and it's like a big red flag from the CIO, we have to work uh, data-driven, mm -hmm. but they don't really get it all the way. Uh -huh. Uh, and they don't really get the, the qualitative and the quantitative data together. They think only or quantitative data from like big data, mm. and and that takes time. It's really really you have to have a, like this really big apartment, and you're going to set up a lot of system costs so much money. Mm. Why not just start with asking your your real customers what they think about your product and and what you can do to improve their day? Um, that's where they're not. Mm. Uh, but uh, hopefully they will get there soon. <laughs> well, what do you think is the key to good UX? Always meet the user, of course. <laughs> How else can you do it? So uh, try not to think about yourself as the, the user of the product is the key. Is there becoming a big change in the way, like because it's becoming more aware around this? Are you seeing different schools in the UX world or is it, uh, how would you? Because you've got like agile, you've got lean, mm -hmm. lean UX. Um, yeah, well, of course it is. There, yeah, it is. I think. Yeah. Well, a lot of people usually or still work in in traditional UX, where it takes a lot of time to do things, mm. and they don't maybe have hypotheses and test them really early like you do when you work with lean UX, mm. like you learned here, uh, and that's a change that is ongoing I would say because a lot of companies they want to have short lead time they want to bring stuff out to, to the to the users and make money much faster and and then lean UX is helping that and helping companies stay on the market so I think a lot of US UXers probably gonna have to transform a little bit and learn how to, to do that and that makes I don't know if it's un uncomfortable or because you don't you don't always have all the data that you might want to have. You don't have time to interview maybe 50 people and then do it over again and then you know have the ideation and create the products and and then release and then oh we failed. Mm -hmm. So that's like more traditional way of a business and and it's a scary process. Yeah, I mean, that's really scary in yeah. my mind. 
So the, the, the lean UX way of doing it is like you have uh, test loops all the way testing your idea, testing your assumptions, testing uh, the, the learning that you did. You validate that and, and, and work and, and validate all the way. And that's not scary in my mind, but could be maybe for the more traditional UXers. And I felt like it gave you so many insights along the way as well from the user perspective mm. that you didn't have, mm. which yeah, was really you, cool. You learn a lot. Yeah. It's really fun also to, to meet the users. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah. And I love failing in that way, or like something that's wrong. But it's just me. But I know a lot of people have difficulty like grasping that, like seeing it as a learning rather than a failure. When yeah. something doesn't work, you're trying something new. But it really gives a lot to your. I mean, you're refining it. Mm. Uh, and and knowing when you start like testing stuff that this is not perfect. I haven't got the like the final idea or I don't even maybe know the need because mm. you use it as a, maybe a trigger material uh, to find out what people have what yeah. needs they have so you need to be pretty brave to do that these are the stupid ideas that I had and then you test it on, on, on smart users and uh, wow okay I was wrong I had so many misunderstandings and that's really brave and that's what you, what you really need to do so that's great I'm so yeah. proud of this class <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're just going to go over to a little commercial break. Um, we just started up with Acast, so we're going to be putting in commercials now and then. Uh, maybe 30 seconds, I guess it is. Um, I think so. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yes. And we're back. And yeah, welcome back, Mia. Um, we were discussing a bit about UX, um, both business-wise and background, but... Where do you think the future of UX is going to go, like, in general? Is it going to become, is the world going to adopt UX, or is it, or do they have to adopt UX, maybe? Yeah, if they want to survive, I think they, they will have to, yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> it's the UX takeover, like I've heard uh, people say sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> the UXers are taking over everywhere. Uh, I think maybe UX as a phenomenon maybe will be more... I don't know, in bits and pieces everywhere. Because if if everyone would just think a little bit more about the users on all stages, like in all departments and everywhere, it will be so much easier to, to work together also. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe it will be something that more people will learn of. Uh, we will still probably have people that um, have that specific, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Knowledge or edge? Yeah, exactly, like the UXers. <laughs> but maybe a lot more people will know about the craft and what. Do you think it will eventually? What's important with it, and why do we do it, yeah. and uh, what's the need? So. Do you think it's something that might be like eventually applied into schools, like how to look through it, no matter what kind of it's one way of working, um, rather than it's just a subject, it's just a UX subject, yeah. or is it? Is it something that we can use in um, future ways, no matter what industry you're in? Um, yeah, I think it could be definitely. Could be like like the, the user research part is definitely something that you should use probably mm. a lot more than they do. It's not just something that you do within the digital industry. It's, it's mm. actually something that you do all over whatever you're uh, improving. Mm. So. Mm. Uh, of course, you are always doing that. So, 
maybe it could be a subject in, in school since programming is coming soon I hope yeah yeah so it could be part of that because sometimes it seems like the US is exclusive to something but I see the possibilities and so many different things like just working in kitchens um, what how it could you could optimize things I mean it's a lot of um, just looking at academics could also yeah. uh, be fun to see that side yeah definitely. Be disrupted a bit with the yeah, the working in different yes. ways, yeah. definitely. And, and yeah, sorry. No, it's also interesting that it combines so many things. That it's psychology, it's data, mm. it's so many things you have to take into account to make something better. Mm. I think that's kind of exciting. Also, mm. when it comes to education. Yeah, definitely. It's a big subject, even though it's just about human interaction and and psychology yeah. a little bit. That's practically but asking people what yeah. is, it's a, such a difficult thing to ask somebody, or I think that's the, you often want to do assumptions, but you mm. never want to actually get them confirmed, uh, anyway. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Just uh, I, I, recalling to when I went out on doing the interviews, um, asking the simplest questions were the most useful ones, even the ones you would think are really stupid. Um, just asking, like, how do you pick this up? Mm. Um, it's like, of course I pick it up anyway. But no, you realize the simplest thing is there are so many ways of doing it. So you have so many choices of, like, it can become so complex of doing yeah. one simple task. Um, looking at different, like, everybody does different things. And the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Designing a product without uh, seeing the user. Yeah. That's like you're set up for a big fail. Mm. Definitely. And of course, a lot of industries already do that in a really good way it's just the the, the digital industry i think which is uh, haven't been around for that long mm -hmm. so it, it has taken some time to learn that this is the way we need to do it we actually need to see how people are doing things and, and we have to design for that to help them do it better uh, otherwise people won't be able to use our products and we won't make any money but it has taken uh, some time for the industry to, to get there that's great that we are there now. <laughs> <laughs> Still fighting, but yeah. Yeah. So if um, if anybody really wanted to get into UX, like where where do you think you would start? Where today? Where does one go? Is there school? Is there, or would you start going attending meetings or reading something? Where would you? Well, you could of course hang out with UXers if you want to. So meetups. Meetups. No, of course you could just see if there are any meetups in town. I think. One of my colleagues has a third Thursday, he calls it. I've mm -hmm. never actually attended, but <laughs> everyone's invited yeah. at some, I don't know, some bar in town. Uh, so, of course, you could meet with the UXers and uh, talk to them and, and see what they what they do and, and learn from them. And, and, of course, read blogs, books. I don't really, I have so many newsletters on, on UXers. Uh -huh. that I just get in my mail but I never get time to read them so yeah. I think meeting people and, and trying practice it yourself and when you stumble into something just read a little bit more about it to, to, to learn how to do it but realize that you always have to, to ask the user or see the user and, and watch them use the product and do that in a structured and good way to, to get the learnings that you need to make better products and, and better mm -hmm. ideas so just get the insights and, and try to make your way. And don't be afraid because it, it's just so fun to learn. Mm. 
mm. and everyone's uh, new at stuff in the beginning. So it's never, never a bad time to learn. So apply the, the UX thinking before you start with UX. Like, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> probably. <laughs> to your own learning. <laughs> yeah. um, Go test your own knowledge out and see yeah, or what, what you need. Yeah, keep on. It's a good idea. I think, uh, I think that we're wrapping up a bit. Um, We've co covered all we're covered your questions. Pretty much, yeah, 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 we've covered a lot. Good. And it's uh, it's still such a big, vast world. Of, it seems like uh, I'm gonna try and attend more meetups. Actually. Yeah. Um, it's, it's and maybe it's something that I've been thinking about that you probably are interested in, but maybe you, you don't really know that. That's a service design, where you design services. Oh. So you should probably. That's a topic you should look into, I think. Service design. We haven't covered it in the UX module, but it is the same thinking, and, and you apply UX or, or the tools that you've learned, but from uh, on other uh, subjects than just uh, digital products. So that's a way you can use the, the learnings that you have already, but on, on other areas. And briefly, what would you, how do you explain service design? You, you design the way you experience a service, okay. or uh, it could be you design the, the way you meet your, um, your dentist, for instance. Mm -hmm. So what happens when you, get, uh, when you get there, or when you get into the share, or afterwards, like you have this... The fear that arises when yeah, you... Yeah, exactly. How do you manage you, that? How do you manage that? Yeah. Maybe you need to redecorate re the office. It needs to be another color so people feel more calm. Or you should have these kind of magazine on the table. So you design the experience mm -hmm. of going to the dentist. That's something we definitely need to work on, because yeah. uh, I... Yeah. You have I dentist fear? Like, I, I don't have dentist fear, but... <laughs> It's nothing I enjoy. I was there yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Some design could be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had a dentist before that had a um, fireplace in their office. Oh, that sounds... And that was just, and, and this classical music, just to yeah. make people feel calm and, you know, relaxed. That's really nice. So you could do really good stuff with that. Yeah, so having that awful light in your face yeah. and these, like, white walls. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> and all the stressed people around you. Like, the stressed people sweating. and the, the sounds... <laughs> Classical music would do a lot, I think. Yeah. Just hearing the the machine in your mouth, I was like, oh. mm. So that's service design. I think it should be a part of this uh, this course, but I don't yeah. think it is. It could be something that you could study yourself. It would be the next thing we dive into. Mm. I think so. Mm. Yeah, sounds really exciting. Mm. Yeah, that is the unfortunate thing of having only a month to work with it, because you could definitely dive into like into that whole universe of user experience it's uh, yeah it's really fascinating all right so if um, anybody wants to contact you or what what's the easiest is it like a deal with twitter or is it email or? yeah they could actually just uh send me a message on twitter it's mia kolmodin in like one word Ooh. so easy yeah. kolmodin with k o l m o d i n all right Thank, Thank you for today. Thank you so much for and having me. We usually do so a much. little checkout as well. I forgot to add that. Um, what should we have a checkout question? Any good, good ones? What's your favorite oh. podcast at the moment? I really like that question. Yeah. Check out do you that. listen to podcasts? No, I'm like oh. totally scared. <laughs> I've, I've, actually, I've tried to, but the phone uh, freaks out and, and shuts it off. I tried to listen it 
to it in my car because I travel a lot by car, but it hasn't worked out for me, so it hasn't been any podcast listening so far. But what would you like to see in the podcast world? What would you like to listen to? What is it like? Oh, of course, it is interesting to listen to, to smart people having discussions. Yeah. I love that part. And yeah. I know that's what podcasts are mostly about. So interesting people. Interesting people. Subjects. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm currently hooked on a Swedish podcast called En Vari Söker Sin Pod, uh, which is two women discussing current pop culture and other things. Mm -hmm. I love it. And um, I'm always going to refer back to Joe, the Joe Rogan experience. Um, he just has interesting people, different subjects, different things all the time. And they sit and talk for three hours, so it's, it's long podcasts. Oh my God. But I enjoy them. Yeah, they're, sometimes they're just really good. Do you listen to them in one uh, long... No, I usually split them up. It's, yeah, but it's a nice thing to have in the background. Interesting. That's good. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hypertalks. 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 Hypertalks.